As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. I think we've talked about it in here. I like the way the schedule lays up and definitely on a number of fronts, this is a good week for... Bye, bye, bye. All right, welcome to the bye week, Cowboys Nation, as we take a little time here to sit back, relax, look at these wins, and hopefully prepare for some more wins to come. So welcome back in to About Them Cowboys. I'm Kent, back with you, running things, and letting you know that this episode is brought to you by DirecTV Stream. Get your TV together with the best of live and on-demand Learn more at directtv.com. We're excited to welcome back to the show, from the Athletic Football Show, back by popular demand, he's the one and only, Robert Mays. Welcome back, my friend, Robert. Robert, how are you feeling this season? You and I were putting in the hours on the Athletic Football Show. I can imagine you're you're feeling it right now as we hit the Cowboys bye week. Uh, it's just it all once together now. But, yeah. you know, in Cowboys world, everything's going well. My, my intro is far too kind, but I, I appreciate that. And I'm, I'm very happy to be here. I'm very happy to be here with you guys chatting Cowboys. Well, we knew we wanted to have you on, uh, you know, mid-season around the bye week. We didn't expect the circumstances to be this positive, uh, to be quite honest with you, or I didn't at least. Uh, but we're excited to dive into things as we kick off the show with a little bit of breaking news. And as we do that, we welcome in back from the Eagle and sports and such. Set your DVRs accordingly. It's Kevin KT Turner, and of course, from The Athletic, it's Father John Mishota. KT, take it away with a little, I guess, breaking news concerning Dak Prescott and DeMonte Casey. Well, yeah, no, I think we got the news uh, this afternoon that DeMonte Casey was arrested and charged with a DWI. And for more on that, it is the Cowboys beat reporter, John Mishota. I spoke with a very nice gentleman that works with the the Colony Police Department, a sergeant. I was, he was, he was very very nice man. I uh, he told me he was getting a lot of media requests, as I can imagine. Uh, I don't know how many times there's arrests in in the colony, um, but anyway, of Cowboys players at least. But yeah, so Demonte Casey, Cowboys uh, starting safety, uh, he was pulled over. It was for a traffic violation. This is like early Tuesday morning around 3 a.m. And uh, at the time, I think the officer noticed that he might be under the influence. And so uh, I guess DeMonte Casey failed his uh, field sobriety test. 
Um, and uh, spokesperson said he was very cordial during this, while this was all going on. I don't know if that helps his case at all. Uh, but yeah, so anyway, he's charged with a DWI. Uh, it's a class B misdemeanor. Uh, was he in a car or a defense. scooter, um, John? I believe time. he was in a car. I don't okay. think this was. I don't think this okay, was I had to a clarify. scooter. It's been scooter sometimes. That's a, that Cowboys, was a different so. Cowboys player. Yeah, sorry. Um, yeah. So he posted twenty five hundred dollar bond anyway, and uh, he got out uh, a little afternoon today. So yeah, not great on the bye week. I mean, this is something that Mike McCarthy talked to the team about. I'm sure every single coach talks to their team about right before a bye week. Um, but it's just kind of like that, you know, that time in between the end of OTAs and minicamp and then that like, I don't know, three weeks to a month until they go to training camp. You're always kind of like, well, the players aren't around the facility. This is a chance when stuff like this can happen. So um, the one thing I'll say about this is that, I, I mean, he obviously is, would face a suspension from the league, but they generally don't move on those things quickly. So I don't know that that is going to be something that happens right away. It could be something that doesn't happen until next season. It just, you know how it is. Obviously we, uh, having gone through the Ezekiel Elliott situation, uh, with the NFL being suspended, how long some of those things can be to play out and others with the Cowboys. So I can't really give you an exact timeline because I know fans listening to this, that'll be the first thing at the last is like, is he going to miss time? How many games is he going to miss? Whatever. Yada, yada, yada. So that's what, that's all I have right now. Sorry. Go on. I'm curious, Robert, because you cover uh, everyone, of course, because I, when, I, when the schedule came out, I was like, man, that's kind of an early bye week. I almost would prefer my bye week to be a little bit later just in case. But you really can't time out these things based on when you get hurt and then Dak oh. gets hurt and then you go, OK, I take back what I said about the early bye week. It does feel like, though, it's, I'm going to go on a string of 11 straight weeks where I'd like to have, for instance, Green Bay, I think, has like a week 13 bye week. Oh, and man. they're getting hammered with injuries. I'm sure they would like their bye week to be week 10. Is week 10 the perfect bye week? What is the best bye week? Eight, right? It used to be, right? Midseason? I think right around midseason would probably be the best one. I, I want to say I've talked to coaches about this in the past, like one or two head coaches. And, and I think that a late bye week is theoretically – I think early bye weeks are bad. You know, there was that yeah. stretch. It, wasn't there a point where there was like week four buys? Yes. I mean, that, that, yes. that happened. And I do think, I'm trying to remember now, I think that that was kind of the conclusion that the people that I had chatted with came to is that the early buy was not good. I can't remember if there was any conversations about late buys, but I think you'd want in the middle of the year, both to give yourself the best chance to get healthy, because I think that just makes the most sense. And then the other part of it, Brand Staley talked about it today and just shameless plug here. We talked about it with Doug Peterson on the athletic football show that's running on Wednesday about the how you self-scout during the bye. So if you need it both to get healthy and to do some tweaking, it does seem like middle of the season would probably be the ideal circumstance. There's just a feeling with the Cowboys that like, and this isn't just this year, just always that like, yeah, don't enjoy whatever's going on. Something, Something's going to happen. You know, I mean, it was like week one. It's like, you know, they played really well against Tampa. And it looks like, you know what? Th th they might be all right this year. You get back from Tampa and literally the next day, Lyle Collins is suspended for five games. Um, and then just recently, and then obviously there's DeMarcus Lawrence foot injury that happened shortly after that. And then even with this one, it's like, it's such a, a, a big win for them. And then on the last play, Dax strains his calf. And then the KZ thing, which um, it is, it, it is what it is. You know, I, I recently 
uh, published uh, who I think are the 15 most important Cowboys through this 5-1 run. I, I didn't have DeMonte Casey on there, but he has been uh, a key piece for this team on defense, especially knowing what Dan Quinn wants and uh, what he's been able to bring. But I just I don't know. Did you feel that way, KT, that there's just always there's just always something? Oh, oh yeah, you never sleep. Yeah. You never sleep when you cover the Cowboys. Sometimes I always wonder is like obviously not with the DWI, I always kind of go, man, it feels like that was like a plant. Like there's always there's good they're gonna be in the news <laughs> for some reason. Um so so if 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 we weren't on bye week and the Cowboys were playing Minnesota, Dak would not play. am I am I right to assume that, John? I don't know. He was playing hamper basketball against Micah Parsons yesterday. Uh, he did really well too. He had the walking. He had, he had the walking on boot Instagram. on still. Um, I think it's a good bet he would not play in this game this week, and 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 it's still possible he doesn't play against Minnesota after the bye. It, it's just going to come down to what does the medical staff tell Dak and tell Mike McCarthy? Like, will a, what another week giving him three weeks off? Does that give him enough where you're you're completely out of the woods, or a, a, does the extra week not really make that big of a difference? You know, and if it doesn't, then Dak's certainly playing. I mean, you can't leave this up to Dak. Dak's going to play regardless. So it has to be come down to your medical team and how he progresses. And um, I don't know how much this matters to people that are listening, but I just feel like it's. I've noticed this over covering this team, and I'm sure every team is like this. Uh, I, I I don't think you need to assume that all patients are the same. Uh, there are some guys that just generally by their human nature work harder at the rehab process than others that pour more into it than others do. Not to say that guys don't care, but there's just the reason I bring this up is because Dak Prescott is at the elite of the elite level. Like he will be doing every single possible. You will not have to worry about Dak Prescott being like, yeah, you know, we saw him at the bar dancing. He had the boot off. I don't know if that's a good thing. Like he will, he will take this to the whatever degree he has to. And, but and now the other side, that is also why you have to protect Dak from Dak and him. You put him out there too soon and he might do too much. So it's going to be a balancing act, but I think to answer your question, I think that there is a chance that he wouldn't be playing if they played this Sunday. Where are you at, Robert? I mean, the Cowboys are five and one. What is um, to you from what you've observed, what about them strikes you as something that might be a little more unique and special than, let's say 2014 and 2016 when they went and had deep playoff runs. I think their quarterback is at a far more advanced level than they were in 2016. You know, in 2014, I think that, you know, that, that team could have won the Super Bowl. I mean, absolutely they could have. So in the 25th, the 2016 team, you, you know, obviously that team kind of catches you by surprise in Dak's rookie year, but you know, now they have a quarterback playing not just at a, an encouraging, surprising level at a top five level. At a, this guy could be the MVP of the league level. And I think that's the most important distinction. This team, I'm going to try to give myself a little bit of credit for seeing this coming, even though I didn't. La- coming into th- last year, this is the type of team I hope they would be. Where you have all of this offensive talent and Kellen Moore is just kind of allowed to let it rip in all these different ways. And whether it was because of the shortened offseason, they wanted to simplify things. If you look at what their offense looked like, even if the first four games that Dak played last year, it was much more static and predictable than what it looks like right now. They're playing 11 personnel with three receivers on like 80% of their plays. A lot of similar kind of static elements that you saw during the Linehan era. Stop routes, not a lot of motion, which isn't always good. But I watched it and I was like, eh. And he was throwing for 500 yards a game, but I, I wasn't excited by what they were doing offensively. Now it's the opposite of that. 
you have just so many different ways they've deployed these guys, the different personnel groupings that they've used, how many, it's how unpredictable they are, how many chances they've given their guys just by the structure of the offense. And I think that is a kind of a differentiating characteristic of this team combined with an offensive line that has been healthy and really good. Obviously, I'm, I'm curious what John says about Tyron Smith, but that group has been an undeniable strength through the first month and a half of the season. And that has been something that's kind of harkened back to a 2016 level. So you're almost getting the best of both worlds where you have one of the best offensive lines in the league, maybe a top three or four unit, a quarterback who's settled into the best version of himself, all this receiving talent, and really the sky's the limit as a result. And that's before even getting to the defense, which is significantly better than I think anyone could have predicted coming into the year. It's funny how you say that, you know, he's a top five quarterback, might be top three. He's playing as well as anybody, but in Dallas, I, I always find it interesting, or just Cowboys fans in general, just not even in Dallas, that like anybody who said he was like the top 10 or top whatever in 2016, and then they argued with what we would say like the Romo fans. Now all those people are coming back, and they're arguing like Dak was the same guy back then. It's like he's gotten better. Like I, I like it's not it, – I, everyone – I understand that you're – a lot of following sports is just arguing, but like, there's just no question he's a better quarterback now than he was in 2016. And and, and I just I find it fascinating because I do think that when it's all said and done, like Jason Garrett will get no credit for Dak Prescott. And I think some of the stuff that he was doing early on was probably good for Dak Prescott. With that being said, a lot of the stuff that you just said, Robert, with like Kellen Moore, I think that Dak's in the perfect time in his career to take on all those different things 100%. And, and and elevated himself to that level. So I'm bringing this up because I wanted to ask you specifically, like you, you mentioned 2016, like what from your perspective has impressed you most about, you know, kind of where Dak is now? The mental side of it. It, it. In order to be an elite quarterback, you have to answer, what is the, where are you exceptional? What is the answer to that question? With some guys, it's athleticism. With some guys, it's arm strength. With some guys, I mean, name all of the characteristics you could have. With Dak, it's mental. And his ability to just operate under pressure and no matter what people are throwing at him and just the work he's done pre-snap and post-snap and just everything that's happening above the shoulders right now is he's operating on a level that very few quarterbacks in the entire NFL can. And right now, we talked about this a little bit on our show on Sunday night, but just the differentiation between having an elite quarterback and not. And to me, the most important thing with that gap is... How many problems can your guy solve? How many solutions does your guy have to what defenses can throw at him? And he has a solution to every single problem because of the way he's seeing the game. And when you combine that with an offensive coaching staff that is putting him in really good spots and, again, making things hard to defend and the amount of just sheer talent they have offensively, you get a team that can win a Super Bowl. And I think that's exactly where the Cowboys are right now. Could, yeah, you, know, could you give us uh, where you would sit, where you would put them right now, and and why? Oh, I absolutely think that they're right there in the NFC with Tampa and the Rams and the Cardinals. I mean, spin the wheel for whoever the best team is. I mean, I think their offense is as dangerous as any of those teams. And then in the AFC, I think that the Bills are right there with them. And other than that, I mean. I don't know. I mean, it's at this point, it's hard hey, for me to kind of... there's one team, though. There's one team that I've been thinking about a lot lately, because this is just inevitable. It's going to happen. 
to Green go Bay. wherever they want to go, they're going to have to beat the it Packers. Has to be the Packers. Yeah, I mean, and it's I'd have to think about how the actual hierarchy of those teams looks. But to me, the tiers are more important than anything. Like, what tier are you in? They're yeah. in that tier. And it's because of the offense, but it's also because of the defense. I mean, it talk about how the staff has put that group in a position to succeed by the ways that they deployed those guys. Dan Quinn just being like, you know what? I'm going to throw out everything about who I used to be. And because I need to. I think that level of self-awareness has been really important in the way that they've played on that side of the ball. I mean, any way you slice it right now, this is a team as currently constructed, if continuing on this trajectory, can win a championship. And I don't think a lot of people anticipated that coming into the year. It's the team I, I thought did. they'd be last year when I picked them to be the number one seed in the yeah. NFC. What if you... would have been, probably. They would have been near that, you know, if Dak doesn't get hurt. It would have been great. Oh, hold up, hold up, hold up. I don't I know. So. I don't know about the guy coaching the defense and that offseason. Well, of Tabasco Mice? Install That's it the fair. way that it was installed via, I mean, Mike McCarthy's very open about the fact that, you know, for some coaches, the dealing with COVID and doing the um, Zoom calls and doing coaching from that way and not being, you know, hands on. They didn't do a good job with that last year. I mean, he's very open about that. That so that's the only reason why I'm saying like I don't I don't know. And then the other part is they didn't have Dan Quinn, and I think Dan Quinn is significantly didn't have Micah Parsons defense. either. Yeah, and um, this version of Trayvon let, Diggs, you know, yeah, just a lot of right. different things. It, it took them a year to settle into it, but when I picked them to be that last year, when I picked them to be the number one team in the NFC before the season, this is the type of team that I envisioned. And it required something. So I'm not trying to give myself credit for that. But I thought their offensive ceiling was always this. And then the defense has, again, been better than pretty much anybody could have anticipated. The only well, on the other one other thing, too, I wanted yeah. to add, though, Kent, when you said about Micah, also mm-hmm. the, and with C.D. Lamb, like because of COVID, because of, you know, not having your typical offseason, C.D. Lamb was always in the slot. And yes. now they've opened it up. He's on the outside. And I think that that's been huge for him. I just, the options are, seem like they're endless with him right now. As, whereas we just, we really didn't see a lot of that last year. We saw glimpses and there were, he obviously had good games, but I just feel like the whole package is there now. So I'll, I'll bring this up. Uh, so KT doesn't take the, uh, the flack for it. Robert, what do you, have you seen from Mike McCarthy over the first <laughs> six games? You know, I guess we could be sitting here. After a Greg Zerline miss and a and a should have gone for it on fourth down situation, you know, coming into the bye week. So, what have you seen from from Coach McCarthy and what's he bringing to the table? There are some kind of mind boggling moments <laughs> like those. His the, the decision to call timeout and leave twenty seconds on the clock and give the ball back to the Patriots is just another one where it's like, Mike, come on, man! Like I w- I want to give you credit for all this stuff and you're making it hard on me. So that would be the concern for me is that. Overall, I've actually liked their approach in some of those moments. I think that they've gone forward on fourth down in a way that has benefited them. They've been aggressive, and I think with the offense that you have and a quarterback playing at the level that he is, you should be aggressive. So it's not as though Mike McCarthy has been a bad decision maker overall, but there are still these kind of kernels of doubt that he plants in moments like that where it's like, we're 51-yard field goal? Like, it just it's one yard, man. Like it's it just almost one feels yard. Win like, the game. It almost feels like the Cowboys, if they win a title, they'll win despite their head coach and not because of him. I, I think that's... <laughs> you know, I, like, I, I like they've had to overcome with, moments in games. Like, Dax had to go out there and, and overcome these blunders. Or, I think that's know. overstating it. There's no way for us to know 
and we talked about this on our, our show today because we're talking about with Mitchell Schwartz in relation to the Chiefs, right? And I think even we mentioned Mike McCarthy as an example of this. There's no way to know from the outside what these situations look like, like what his day-to-day responsibilities are and what sort of responsibility and voice he has in the offensive meetings. Like, is Mike McCarthy the one who has come up with this idea of, you know, we're going to play these YY wing sets with the two tight ends on the same side, and that's going to be a huge part of our identity and the way that it allows us to dictate. I have no idea. I have absolutely no idea how the final product of what that offense looks like. Does Mike McCarthy have any sort of input in what the defense looks like? Or has this been a situation where he just empowers Dan Quinn to take it and run with it? Should he deserve credit for understanding that they had to move on from Mike Nolan and hiring Dan Quinn? Was this a part of the hiring process where Dan Quinn came to him and said, this is what I think we can do with this group. This is what's different from what I was before. All of these are unanswerable questions. I think that if a team is playing at a Super Bowl level, which the Cowboys are right now, I don't think you can say that their head coach is doing an objectively bad job, even if he's had some regrettable moments at times this year. Kind of like, kind of like going back to the Jason Garrett not getting credit for Dak Prescott. Like people completely have glossed over that Jason Garrett had a 2016 team that won eleven games in a row, eleven games in a row, and and it just like dismissed because it's like, yeah, Jason Garrett's a bad head coach. They moved on. Good thing he's gone. But I just think with like McCarthy, at some point, I mean, there's a lot of things that he's done since he's been head coach. One coach of the year that year, by the way, left me right. That have left me scratching my head. But at the same time. Um, he deserves some t- five and one's five and one. You deserve some credit for that. The other thing is that it's an earned five and one. It's a legit right. five and one. Right. And and he is very big picture with everything. Uh, it's been nice. The last few weeks we've gotten him off the record on Fridays where he meets with like, I don't know, six or seven of us. And it's all up the, the Garrett record. special. Yeah. And it's great. I mean, it's some stuff like, I mean, I, we're not allowed to share it, but I mean, some of the stuff he says, you're just like. Whoa, like I can totally see how you win interviews and how you like he just he says stuff that just him as a person, he's never going to share at the podium because he doesn't want to put that stuff out there. And it's just one of those things where I think some fans look at it as like this guy, look at him. He has he doesn't have a clue. And I just think it's easy because I believe wholeheartedly we know more about football today now than ever before because of well, just the internet, social media, and that we have such a bigger scope, a better understanding. There's experts out there that we never would have had the ability to even interact with that we have now. So I believe that the fans now have that ability to second guess. But at the same time, I believe that Bill Belichick is the greatest NFL coach of all time. And he he just kneeled out the clock with 90 seconds to go in the first half. Like Mike McCarthy does that, he's getting annihilated. And so my thing that I was going to ask you, Robert, is that you get to see this from more of a bigger view. Like how out of like how egregious are some of these things that McCarthy's doing because of the fact that like I think that a lot of Cowboys fans are just judging what they're seeing with him and not the big picture because when you see Andy Reid or you see some of these coaches in the Super Bowl, you're like, oh, this guy's the man. He's in the Super Bowl. And you're not giving him the benefit of the doubt. Like how, like when you see stuff from McCarthy, how much does it stand out to you? Or do you think it's kind of par for the course? I think that Mike McCarthy, I'm guilty of this as well, has become a punching bag of sorts in a way that's undeserved. You know, I, I think that those very public, very high leverage moments where he's faltered don't tell the whole story. John, you know this. You can feel when a team just doesn't buy into their coach. When a team, I think creating buy-in 
Hey, Robert, it was, hey, it was, it was last year, uh, Mike Nolan with the defense. Absolutely. I completely agree with you. You could, you could just tell. You could sense it. And, and I think that getting everyone moving in the same direction and creating a level of buy-in and having a command of the locker room, the room, all of that stuff, it's part of being a head coach. It's an important part of being a head coach when you don't call offensive plays, which Mike McCarthy does not. So I, there's no way for me to know without asking players questions or being in those rooms to understand exactly what role he has in shaping this. But there's clear buy-in. There is clear direction. There, things are going in the right way. And I don't think that we can just say everything good happening with this team in this offense is Kellen Moore and everything bad that happens in those decision-making moments is Mike McCarthy. It's not that simple. You know, I totally agree. And, I, and I've uh, been a critic of, of Mike for a long time. Uh, but my stance on this is, is you can win a lot of games with him because he's proven it. He's created winning program after winning program. Does it help when you have great quarterbacks? It absolutely does. And we know that. But the thing about Mike that's very interesting to me, I do think he's a little more hands-off here than I than he ever was in Green Bay. Part of that goes with the calling plays, which is very obvious. I don't know much of what input he's putting in. I do think he is – he talked about you know trying to be better. I do think he's trying to pay more attention to the personnel on defense as well and hanging out with those guys. That was a big criticism of him in Green Bay. He's kind of just ignoring the defensive guys. And the players are like, hey, you don't even know my name. There was uh, no culture yeah. in Green Bay. Yeah. There, wa- there was no – I remember talking – I wrote a story about this a couple of years ago, and I was talking to – I want to say Blake Martinez. And we were talking about the team dinners that they were going to in the first year with when LaFleur was there and how much the guys on defense were hanging out. And he told me that in his first however many years before LaFleur got there, he can count on one hand how many times the defense met outside of the facility to do anything. It was like twice. And that just that's just how it was. There was very little culture in the room. You can, when you're in certain locker rooms, you can feel it. You can feel a closeness. You can feel an energy. And I, I never felt it in Green Bay as someone who was there all the time. Got to know guys there. You just never really sensed that, especially toward the end. And then I got up there the first year that LaFleur was there and I mean they're just like hanging out and joking and like the Smiths are like it was so different. You could absolutely sense the difference, especially with the defensive players. So I completely and, understand that. And that's personnel additions as well, that get guys who just fit whatever you're doing. And I mean, DeMonte Casey's in the news today, but he was a guy that some players have talked about of being a very high energy and fun guy to be around. And, you know, that, that makes a difference. But one thing I want to talk about, and I am, I am a guy who deals in realities, Robert, but – it does make good radio, and I think I'm a radio lifer, even though this is a podcast and not radio. If if one had to go, and I don't even know their contract situations. Maybe John can help me on that. If one had to go, Kellen or Dan Quinn, given the personnel and the roster of the Cowboys, if one had to go in the offseason, which one would you prefer to keep? A Kellen Moore, 100 times out of 100. I agree, but I talked to someone – uh, yesterday, it's, it's, he's on my radio show, you know, Skin Wade. Um, and he was like, it's Dan Quinn. He goes, I think Dak can get us through anything. And That's Dan insane. Quinn's the first point of stability on defense. I, dude, I agree 100%. You tell Skin that he's losing his mind. Dak, I, Kellen Moore has been like the key to Dak. 
I mean, think about the difference between how Dax played with Kellen Moore versus Scott Linehan. I mean, I feel like it's night and day opened up his ability. But go, go ahead, look Robert. at go look at DVOA ratings on defense from 2020, and then go look at the ones in 2021. Do it for any year. Do it for any given year, <laughs> and look at where teams are in efficiency metrics on defense from any given season. You can roll a pair of dice and have it be more predictable for where defenses will land from year to year outside of like three or four different units. The key to sustained success in the NFL is to be a really good offense every single year. I don't you I could be the defensive coordinator for the Cowboys next year and it would give them as good a chance to be a Super Bowl contender than there and there would be if you kept Kellen Moore. Like that is the most important thing. Maintaining your success on that side of the ball is first and foremost easily the most important part of being an annual contender in the NFL. It's not even a conversation to me. So what All if right, the so Bears hold on, and the Raiders... hold on, hold on. Well, so if they did lose Kellen, how do you think that the offense would change or look if Mike McCarthy went to call and plays? It's an unknowable question that I, I have no idea in finding out. I have no interest in finding out the answer. That, that <laughs> is a, that's a reality I have no interest in exploring because I don't think it's good. <laughs> okay, Robert, I'm, we're, we're going to let you out of here, but I, I have to let you, you can make this answer as short as you want. But let's say the Raiders or the, let's say the Bears. Huh, let's say the Bears. Uh, you're like, you know what? We want Kellen Moore. We are going to get Kellen Moore. And you're the Cowboys and Kellen comes to you and goes, hey man, got a pretty good job offer here. What do you do? Do you cut bait on a 14-3 and three Mike McCarthy in year two of a five-year deal and make Kellen Moore your head coach. That's the only way you can keep him. This is you just using Dallas radio trickery on me. <laughs> and the, the Bears, too. Oh, that's even tougher. Let's, well, let's when he gets done, like this I'm telling be, you right this now, this could tell. be a real thing. Oh, hey, he's going to get the hey. job like he wants in the offseason. I, I, yeah. I think this is a no-brainer, so I'm interested to hear what he says. I think absolutely you keep Kellen. You make Kellen the head coach. I would keep Kellen Moore. What would they do? I think Jerry would keep Mike McCarthy. This is a real thing that we're oh, approaching. <laughs> There's no question. Happen. There's think no about, question he's keeping McCarthy. There's no yes. question. Think about just the lifespan of Jerry Jones and how he operates. There's no way they're going to move on from a coach that is going to get win the division and potentially be who knows what they do. I think that they will let Kellen Moore walk. I, I think that. I don't know if it's a mistake. I think it is a bad outcome for the Cowboys if that happens. I wouldn't blame them for making that decision, but I do it's think that is a net negative for the Cowboys. You just you just talked about how great Kellen Moore is. You you it would be a mistake. I just you can't move on from a coach that wins like twelve or thirteen games though. You just can't do it. No, well you can't do it. Just watch his clock. Watch you manage a you clock. Also, you also you don't know how Kellen Moore will be as a head coach either. I mean that's his that is yeah, a jump. You know? There's still it, there, some uncertainties. I had an idea. Good. <laughs> I do think that they can have a chance to be an elite offense no matter who's calling plays. Like I think they can be a top 10 offense with this group no matter who's calling plays, no matter what the offense looks like. If you, I don't know, like just give Cooper Rush the job and just be like, all right, here's the playbook you had last year. We're doing all of this stuff. Even that, like the Xerox copy of whatever this version of the offense looks like, I still think can be pretty good because I think Dak is that good. But... We've seen it in the past, man. You you move on from one of these play callers, and you're just trying to recapture whatever that is, and it's really, really hard to do that. And then how bad Justin how bad Fields is it going to be, Robert, Kellen. when when it's Justin Fields and Kellen become the new uh, Sean Payton and Drew Brees? 
How bad is it going to be? It's going to be mean, amazing for, cow- for me. No, no, for the Cowboys, I meant like for Cowboys fans. <laughs> uh, I mean, that's going to be hard. For, it's going to be <laughs> so hard. Another for them. Sean Payton getaway, right? It, it, it's going to be hard for them. I'd be sleeping well for the first time in 35 years. All right, thanks for coming right. in, Robert. We really appreciate it. We'll have yeah, you thanks, back man. soon, man. Anytime, guys. Always good to hang out with you. Take it easy. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Off the top here, I just wanted to share that. So we this rarely happens, but today, earlier today, they made available like 12 different assistant coaches for probably about 10 minutes each. Several were going at the same time, so you had to kind of bounce around or whatever. But uh, one of the quick takeaways I, I had from it was that, um, you know, how critical we were of hard knocks. I am completely on the bandwagon now of the idea that Hard Knocks is only as good as the team will allow it to be. And the reason why I'm saying this is because this was the first time we got a chance to talk to a guy you're familiar with, KT, in Joe Witt. And Joe Witt was so good and talking about how it was such a clear thing with like Al Harris and the other assistants that like he had to be up in the booth because he's just like so intense and stuff like that. And when, when he's talking, all I'm picturing is this guy is up in the coaching booth next to Dan Quinn with this personality and Dan's personality, and there's none of that on Hard Knocks, that's because they didn't allow that to be on Hard Knocks because there's no way that that wouldn't have made for good television. That's another thing we should give McCarthy credit for. He was against the idea of Hard Knocks from the beginning, but knew they were one of the few teams that could do it based on the Hard Knocks and NFL's criteria. He clearly wasn't a fan, and that's there's the parts that are – were sometimes, especially like during a COVID year last year too, they were kind of frustrating and everything's closed off and you're not getting as much access. But like, you know, I think Mike is going to be pretty good about keeping as much in-house and private as possible. And for things like that, for the betterment of the team, absolutely. Um, no, maybe I'm over-exaggerating how much the hard knocks uh, aspect, you know, plays into account and how good the team's going to be. But like, you know, for, for, as, for as rough as we are on, on Mike, and I will continue to be if, you know, there's still poor decisions, uh, but I, I believe all these things that I'm hard on him about are not outcome-based things. That's philosophy things, and I've always just said it is a buckle-up roller coaster with him at all times. 
And that's where you get the first drive of the game going forward on fourth and one, which I agree with, by the way. I had no problem with. And, hey, you can disagree with that with as many people as you want. Meanwhile, there are times I wouldn't have kicked the 51-yard field goal. Even if they made it, I wouldn't have kicked it because I thought they were in a position to win that game without touching the ball. I think I had put out a tweet with about four minutes left in the game, and I think it said we've entered the point of the game where the Patriots should not touch the ball again. And within 10 minutes, there had been a pick, a missed field goal, a pick six, and a, and a 75-yard touchdown bomb. Mm-hmm. And the game uh, and the over-under had gone up a lot. Uh, <laughs> the point total for the game had gone up a lot. And I was like, man, I was just talking about how the Patriots shouldn't touch the ball again. So, you know. Well, the thing is, Mike has a very good coaching record for a lot of reasons. And I do think that he is established and deserves the respect for putting together programs. I do think he, he gets that. And that, that's whether you have Aaron Rodgers and Dak Prescott or not. I do think he should get that respect. I don't think we should just let him slide when these things continue to happen almost on a weekly basis. If it's a close game, Big-time question marks are going to happen from him, and I think we have to continue to discuss those things. So One other one I wanted to mention to you, another assistant coach. Like, again, I wasn't able to be by all of them, but I just was kind of jumping around trying to get a few questions in with several different ones. But another one that I really liked talking to, Al Harris was great, okay? And so I wanted to throw this out to you. He, was, he repeated this multiple times, so I want to get your take on this. So – he wasn't even asked for a player comparison, but obviously he had a lot of questions were asked of him of Trayvon Diggs. Okay. And so he offered this up and, and, and he went to it multiple times. The comparison he has for Trayvon Diggs is Marcus Peters. And the reason he says that is because Marcus Peters is a guy that he worked with early in his, cause he had been on Kansas city's coaching staff. You know, Marcus Peters, obviously uh, a, a good player. I mean, Rookie year, eight interceptions. Second year, six interceptions. Third year, five interceptions. I mean, a guy that uh, he was NFL Defensive Rookie of the Year in 2015. Stay on a team for first team All Pro. But yeah, he was really hammering that home. I was wondering what you feel or what you think about that comparison. No, I think that's I think that's really good. I mean, a guy too who will play the ball at all cost. Uh, Marcus Peters, the way he would drive downfield, go back even before he got kicked out of Washington University. Or the University of Washington. Yeah, hopefully Trevon's well, a better teammate than uh, Marcus yeah. Peters. I think, I think he clearly is. I think you can tell. I mean, not that Marcus Peters, that we know him to be a bad teammate, but you know, he attacked a coach a long time he's ago. He's been traded, what, three times? He's already? been traded a lot. Oh, that's right. But you know, Marcus Twice? Peters was feels like way more of a an all-or-nothing, not the Amazon series, an all-or-nothing type of player, though, than Trayvon Diggs. I mean, Trayvon Diggs, this guy, he's going to get beat every once in a while. Yeah, it's going to happen, but... Um, that's where I think you kind of, I think, I think Trevon Diggs is a little more of a cleaner player, a cleaner prospect. I think the point he was making wasn't obviously the off the field stuff. It was, and he said this specifically kind of going to your point was that, you know, there's certain balls that, you know, even NFL, good NFL corners, it's going to be a pass defended and Marcus Peters, much like with Trevon Diggs, those end up being interceptions. And those are just plays that they're just few guys they can get to. And he, he feels like those are two guys he's been around that are in that class that most guys can't play on that level. It almost becomes like a buzzword or just some, some word that's used and you kind of end up going, well, what does that really mean? But like there truly is something to be said for instincts and, and feel and Trayvon Diggs absolutely has that. I mean, there's no doubt about it. He absolutely has that to the point that Um, I think Demonte KZ pulled up 
on that play because he was ready for Trayvon Diggs to pick it off. And it ain't because like for us on the outside, we sit there and we're like, oh, he has seven interceptions. He just got picked, picked it on the last play. DeMonte knows all of that. Plus yeah. all of the stuff that happens in practice that, that guys talk about. So I think that that's what's happened because Trayvon Diggs took the blame for that. And then DeMonte KZ saw the tweet and then responded on Instagram, like with a, uh, in his Instagram story saying like, you know, that's not, don't take the blame for that. Like basically, you know, this is, that was my fault in that play. But I, I really believe that's what happened is that KZ kind of pulled up because he was like, oh, Trayvon's going to get this ball. And Trayvon was kind of like, oh, this, I don't know if I can get to this one. And they both were kind of left standing there. Um, but it's, I mean, yeah. it, I, we can, we don't even need to talk about it, but I'm just saying like that play would have been like almost our entire podcast. If that ends up being the game winning score. Um, is there anything else from today that you uh, want to hit? Um, we, we covered Dak a little bit. We talked about Casey Tyron. Maybe we need, is Tyron. Okay. Feel good on, on Tyron. Yeah. And, and from everything that I heard after the game and then, uh, Jerry was on the radio again today, just talking about how, uh, he thinks he's going to be fine. Talking about the ankle, really nothing about the neck. Um, so it, everything sounds good there. It doesn't sound like he has anything, uh, of significance. Uh, I think. To be honest, with you, I think Mike McCarthy's been pretty good with us about injuries this year, about giving us what he can, and I just didn't get any concern at all from him after the game or on Monday. Uh, after you know, obviously th- that player has the chance to rest, and you don't have the adrenaline and things like that. So it seems like everything's good to go there, you know, especially because they have the bye week coming up. Um, and then the other injury stuff I would say is that of the group of Michael Gallup, Neville Gallimore, and Demarcus Lawrence. Michael Gallup's the closest to returning, uh, McCarthy said, and so that should be within the next couple of weeks. Um, And then he said, I believe that Gallimore would be next on that list, and then Lawrence is after that. So, um, again, they won't admit to this, but there's a part of me that wonders, are they giving Gallimore a little extra time because the defense is playing a little bit better maybe than they thought? You know, it just, it's one of those things where I'm kind of like, cause you know, I had the dislocated elbow and like there, it was, I mean, heck it was like mid August, you know, during the preseason. And it's a part of me that thinks they might be being just a little extra cautious because of the fact that it's like, you know, man, I mean, you go a few more games and you can get back a uh, Neville Gallimore as close to hundred percent as possible. And then you get back to Marcus Lawrence. I mean, that's like, that's a huge addition, almost like adding, like tr- getting traded for a, a veteran player that can come in there and make an instant impact for you. Why not be a little cautious? And again, another thing that they won't admit publicly, but they can't be blind to the fact that they're five and one and the next best team in the NFC yeah. East is two and four. Like, I mean, I don't know. It just seems pretty obvious that, hey, if we have to be a little cautious with these guys, let's be a little cautious. So when I say that, I also might be referring a little bit to the quarterback. Maybe they do look at it as one of those things where, hey, maybe if we give them a week off, I personally think that Dak is going to do everything in his power to play because he doesn't want to you know, let anybody play ahead of them no matter what. But it is something to kind of keep your eye on because of how bad the rest of the division is. Well, by by your next game, too, the Cardinals, who are 6-0 and in the one seed in the conference, will have played twice because the Cardinals have the Thursday night game next week uh, after they have after they play this Sunday. You might have, a, like, unless they've lost two games or maybe one game, like, it won't affect Dak's status what the Cardinals are doing now, but I have been thinking a lot about how there's just one team that gets a bye week now that they've added the seventh, you know, playoff team, which I kind of think is terrible. I kind of liked it just having six. Um, but, you know, I get it. I get it. Um, 
that's kind of something that I was, I've been thinking about too. It's like there's almost less to push for when the odds are if there's you and there's four other teams. Thing is, Cowboys have the seventh easiest schedule remaining. Um, you're going to get the head-to-head game with the Cardinals later in the year. Tampa Bay, I think, has the sixth easiest schedule remaining. But you're about to find out what some of these teams are who are up here. And, um, you know, so maybe you do have a chance to kind of play for that home field. So, I don't know. I think that's all just something we can kind of maybe discuss at a different time. But I, I know, like, you definitely prefer to, if it came down to it, not having to go to Green Bay or not having to – I mean, really, though, think about it, If you had to go to, to the Rams or if you had to go to the Cardinals, it would be a home game for you. So you kind of almost – get a home game almost another home game almost either way outside of the first one that you'll host. But that's looking way too far ahead into crap that doesn't matter right now. Let's look at right but now I then do. real quick. Where would you have yeah. them ranked right now in the NFL? I think it's pretty clear that they're a top five team and I have no issue if you have them at five or one. I don't I personally wouldn't have them at one just because of the fact that Arizona's undefeated. And if you're undefeated and you're the only undefeated team in the league, even my beliefs that I'd be kind of nervous about the idea like here I'll give you a good example. Like Arizona going into Green Bay, like to play a playoff game, which they they might not have to because they might have the number one seed. But like, I don't know, like Kingsbury hasn't really proven that he can win in the playoffs. You know, this is kind of an up and coming team. But as of right now, I'm, I want to get your take on that. I think I'd have them around probably four, maybe five. But like I said, I wouldn't have any issue if you had them one through five. But I don't think they're any lower than five. No, they're they're not they're not lower than five. The, the thing that I I contend with is, man, I really feel like the Rams are having such an easy time moving the ball as well, and I feel like they're a team that I would have above the Cowboys right now. But it would be close. It would be really close. Um, I think I would also I would have the Bills above the Cowboys. I would have Tampa Bay above the Cowboys, right. and I would have the Cardinals above them just for the sheer fact that they're undefeated. If the Cardinals are five and one. I might actually put the Cowboys above them just because I, I – here's the thing that I don't know. The thing about the Cardinals is so hard. They're so hard to stop, and they haven't really even fully unleashed DeAndre Hopkins yet, but they are playing pretty good defense, and they've become a little dif- a little more difficult than they have been to, to run against and things like that. I mean, they're not giving up a lot of points. Uh, the Cowboys are giving up yards, and they're giving up points. Um, not, not a ton of points, obviously, but they're – they are giving up a lot of yards and things like that. So, you know, to me, I don't have the Packers in that same tier with with the Rams and the Cowboys and the Cardinals and the Bucks. The same way, and, John, and uh, Robert said it earlier in the show too. Spin the wheel. You know, the Packers have the hardest schedule remaining uh, in the league as of right now, and that all changes. I think you're going to find out who they are pretty quickly, and they're just not near as dynamic. It's the Buccaneers who can beat you a million ways, and the Cardinals can beat you a million ways, and the Rams and Cowboys can beat you a million ways. Here's how the Packers can beat you with Devontae Adams and with Aaron Jones, and that's it. And they hope that their quarterback gets lucky. You say that, but if it's Cowboys, anyone. Packers, and the playoffs, you're not going to be looking at it like, yeah, on paper, Cowboys are way better. You're going to be a little nervous. The Packers are also banged up way worse than than pretty much anyone. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, there's, there's that, well, not, not, not the 49ers or whatever, you know, that's the thing that's kind of crazy about everything that's happened. Like I think going into the year, I couldn't believe I was kind of even, it kind of would bother me to an extent. I was like, I can't believe how many people are really pumping up this Washington team. Like, what do they think is going to happen? And Fitzpatrick gets hurt. I still think that's a two and four team right now. You know, their defense is not, 
uh, as advertised right now, teams are just throwing on them. Teams aren't even trying to run on them. Like, you know, we're going to throw on you, get ahead. You don't have to worry about it. I thought that San Francisco roster terrifies me. You know, the, and then they just can't stay healthy. They've got the injury bug. The Panthers were finding out real quick that Sam Darnold's really being uh, coming back to Sam Darnold that we've all known. You know, things like that. So, I mean, it's very clear the Cowboys are there, and that does tell you not to push it on any of these guys, really, if you don't have to. Really no need to push it. But it would just be nice to get that by and secure home field for the entire for the entire playoffs. But, you know, hey, go beat the Cardinals in Week 16 and maybe you get a chance at that. I don't know. You're on to something, though, that, John, that it's going to come down to Green Bay. It's just the fate. The fate. The football does. gods will make that happen. So I guess that's that's the, way I, the way I should phrase it is I almost feel like, like – and it wouldn't be all, but I think a majority of Cowboys fans would say if they could vote one team out, I think from them having to play, I think it, I <laughs> yeah. think the Packers would probably, even if the Packers weren't number one, I think they'd be really high. They would be higher on that list than teams that are better than the Packers because of the fact that, you know, oh, geez, this is going to be Mike McCarthy going against his whole team. We know what Aaron Rodgers has done to us. Like, I just feel like fans would be like, yeah, I'd like to avoid that if we could, you know? I mean, now, now also... Like KT says, they're banged up. Maybe they limp into the playoffs. And there's also the possibility that the Cowboys play them at AT&T Stadium and the game looks like, oh, I don't know, Packers-Saints, where it was like, whoa, like they just weren't. But then there's also a chance that it looks like the last two Cowboys-Packers playoff game. And I just don't think Cowboys fans want to go through that again. Yeah, and it's much easier too, especially if you had to go on the road. Yeah. I, I mean, I can't say that enough. Even opening night, there are a lot of Cowboys fans in Tampa Bay. Mm-hmm. Uh, and opening night's a little different. You make your plans at, out ahead of time. But it's, you're truly talking about a legitimate home game from a percentage of fans there if you have to go to Arizona or if you have to go out to L.A. LA and play the for sure. <laughs> so there's some really a really good situation for the Cowboys if you get the right draw. And we'll deal with that as we get a little closer. So... We'll be back. Uh, we'll come back next week and we'll uh, do a little pod. We'll do a little uh, Vikings preview as well. And by then we'll ha- kind of have an update on where Dak is and where some of these injuries are, uh, are. And we'll be back if there's ever any need to have an emergency podcast. We'll be back for you. Of course, make sure you keep tracking Father John Mashota all week uh, here on The Athletic and on his social media feed as he'll have stories because he always has stories. Guilty as charged. With the stories. Also, thanks to Robert Mays for popping on with us. Uh, Kent, go ahead and promote that podcast that you are a part of. Yeah, the Athletic Football Show. Make sure you're checking that out. It's five days a week. And then on Saturdays, we've got uh, former NFL Exec of the Year, Randy Mueller and Mike Sando of The Athletic, dropping their episode. So six out of seven days a week, except for Sunday, which is game day. Uh, You can check that out. And we also do a live stream on YouTube covering uh, all the action on Sunday, on Sunday night. So check that out on YouTube. Uh, as we, um, I guess, head officially to our vacation, guys. I don't know. You going yeah. out of town, KT? You going to go float the river? Uh, probably, <laughs> you know, I may, I may go. Uh, what I used to do in my home, I usually go see my parents who are a couple miles, a nice. couple, uh, couple miles, a couple hours in away. Olney. Just go hang out with them, play some golf, you know, lay low. Yeah, there you go. Go out to the countryside. John, are you going to get out of town? I no, know you're I'm a big gonna, partier. No, so. like KT said, I'm going to be writing stories, so. Yeah, I keep you up on all the latest Cowboys news, negative and positive. Awesome. 
this this guy pulls out his typewriter <laughs> all the time. He just starts going at it. He just can't stop. There we go. That's why we love him. For Kent Garrison, for Father John Machado, I'm KT. See you next time on About Them Cowboys. Happy Bible. He's as pure as mother's milk. 